Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. Welcome to another live Q&A with yours truly. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well. For those who's watching me for the very first time, I want to say thank you all so much for clicking this video. I hope after you watch it, like, man, I like this guy's vibe. If so, go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be your coach here online. But for those who's been rocking with me for a mighty long time or just a few minutes ago as far as a subscriber or a listener on the podcast, I want to say thank you all so much for trusting what God has entrusted in me, and I pray it continues to be treasured to you. But as everyone is coming in live right now, let me let you guys know of some things I got going on. If you need one-on-one coaching, if you need some support or help with relationship coaching, pre-engagement, engagement, dating, marital culture, whatever it is, I would love to help you. If you need help with your spiritual development, you're like, hey, man, my walk with God is not aligned like it needs to, and you just need a little bit more support there, I got you there. If you are a person that needs to learn how to maximize your singleness and to see the beauty of it, I can help you there. Or if you need help with discovering, developing, or distributing your purpose or branding or marketing needs, I am here to help you. Also, check out my latest book, The Wholeness Journal. Are you whole enough to hold the important things? Also got a card game. The first one who spell whole wins. A lot of great books at this book called The Purpose of Singleness. Uh, for those that want to learn more about its purpose, dating prep for those who want to date uh, God, date themselves and become data boat. So you can take the love of their life forever. Also book on soul ties, book on spiritual discernment, kids books, as well as books on spiritual warfare. All available now on my website, IamUnplugged.com. All right, we got some people in, I believe. Let's see what we got. Crystal says, hey, coach. Hey, how you doing? Stretch says, hey, coach. Azzy, hope you well. God's girl said, hey, coach. Man, y'all still can't see me. <laughs> there I go. Uh, let me get back to it. So we got uh, Crystal in the building. Uh, Stretch marks the spot in the building. God's girl was going on. Good night from Trinidad Empress, Empress Tanya Chantel. Hey, coach. I'll get you guys. I know you guys getting y'all's fingers ready for your questions. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so. Hope y'all's year is going exceptionally well. Hope you guys and gals are still pursuing your goals. Hope you guys are still going after it. And I look forward to serving you all. Also, for those who's been generous, thank you so much for giving and all your support. You guys help us with our mentoring program as well as help um, do uh, what I do here online. So thank you guys for your support as well. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to get y'all's questions in so I can serve you all for the next 15 or 20 minutes or so. Go ahead and share this video. Let somebody know that you're watching. Here we go. All right. The final revelation says, hey, coach, how do I get out of a mental rut? I recently lost my job and I'm still getting over my ex from a year ago. Great questions. Well, first off, the reason why many of us are in a rut is because we haven't trusted our gut. We haven't trusted the Holy Spirit. We've got we've gotten out of alignment, right? And our mind has not been renewed. Your mind is either conforming or transforming. It's either being uh, right or it's being ruined, right? And it's based upon what you indulge yourself mentally in, right? So usually we get into a mental rut when we have a false mental hope or when we begin to believe in something that is not in accordance to what God wants, right? And so the best way to get out of a mental rut especially with these two things in regards to a lost job or X, you have to examine 
the root reason. It Could it be that there may be some idolatry there? Could it be that there could have been some false dependency? So what happens when you fall or find your footing on a false dependency? When that thing begins to fluctuate, because anything outside of God fluctuates, God is immutable. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. He's the only rock that cannot be moved by no earthquake or no, uh, no other uh, item or thing or individual, right? And so when you begin to anchor your life on an ex or a boyfriend or the idea of a relationship, or you begin to root yourself up in the world's way of provision, when those things begin to shake and you haven't allowed your uh, mind to be uh, 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 baked and, and, and right and developed into spiritual understanding on how things are done, then these, this is the byproduct of that, right? So now let's help you with this. How do you get out of a mental rut? Number one, you got to examine uh, what are your false dependencies? Why? Uh, and don't get me wrong. Don't and see. It depends on where you are. If you're sad, you're sad, right? But if you're finding yourself depressed or a mental rut, then there's some evidence here that your job was either your source or relationships is a form of your source, right? So now you got to examine not necessarily the loss of the job or the loss of an individual. You got to examine the void inside of your heart. You got to first examine uh, um, what e what is this the byproduct of? What is the basis by which these things are blossoming in my life? Could it be daddy? issues, mama issues? Could it be rejection, abandonment? What deeper wound caused this to be a manifesting uh, 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 pieces of your life, right? So now you have to examine what those things are, because if you don't, then it, you if I teach you how to solve the symptom, but never deal with the source issue, then it will only sprout again. So you have to write down and say, okay, what caused me to be in this mental rut? Number two, you got to examine your walk with God. Have you been walking with him? Have you been talking with him? Have you been stalking him? No, I'm not stalking. You know what I mean? Uh, pursuing his face, seeking his face, seeking his will, being uh, uh, available, right? You got to examine that because if not, if your spiritual uh, walk with God is not strong, then your mindset won't be strong. Also, I need for you to examine um, about the job loss. Um, number one, what was the reason for it? Uh, uh, do you really believe God is your source? Number two, when it comes to the relationship, you got to write down a sheet of paper, all the reasons or in your app, on your phone, your notes app, all the reasons why their relationship had to end, right? Then you have to supplement that with things what the word of God says about who you are. What I would do right now is start meditating on Psalms 139. I want you to read Psalms 139 and I want you to meditate on that, right? And then you got to reverse engineer your thought patterns. You got to reverse engineer on what you believe about source and resource. You got to reverse engineer about how your mind and how you perceive and how you see relationships. I know I labored a little bit long on that, but I hope in the mirror, uh, 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 in the company of those five or four thoughts that I pray that you get some kind of guidance or step in the right direction. Uh, Chantel says, hi, do you believe we can miss opportunities or do you believe what's meant to be will be? Great question. I really do believe that we can miss opportunities because that's just how life is. I really do believe that we can miss opportunity. Now, let me supplement that with this ideal. Uh, if you if you allow your mind to be renewed, God can redeem the time. The redemption of time is based upon the renewal of the mind. If the mind is renewed and it, and it proves to be a good steward, 
All right. And you prove to be a good steward, then God will definitely redeem the time. There's been a lot of situations where I missed opportunities. Right. But because I allowed myself to get back in obedience and organize and order my life, and then I began to pursue the one that gives life, then God redeemed the time. There's been a lot of times I missed opportunities on maximizing money, missed opportunities when it came to even my wife. But because my mind was renewed and God was guiding me through and through, then I was able to, to be the man that I need to be. So we can miss opportunities, but God in his sovereignty and his foreknowledge understands that most of the opportunities um, that we missed out on were, uh, uh, were a lesson, was opportunities for a lesson. And if I'm willing to learn the lesson, then I'm able to manage the blessing. The reason why we're unable to receive the blessing is because we haven't first uh, understood the lesson. But if God sees in his foreknowledge that you're going to eventually understand the lesson, then you will be fit for the blessing, right? So yes, we can miss opportunities, but you, we cannot settle solely in the idea that what's meant to be will be. Now, because we got to make sure that we're doing what we need to do as managers and as stewards to ensure that what will be will, uh, will, will, will survive. So there has to be a balance. There has to be effort on my end and it has to be trust on God's effort on his end in order for those things to be balanced, right? So it all boils down to your mind being renewed. God's not sitting there. God's not a God is going to be like, hey, now don't get me wrong. There may be some things that like, like, like for instance, this, this finger right here, I dislocated it. God told me very clearly when I was in my dorm room at Oral Roberts University not to play flag football that day. But instead, I ignored him. I was playing Jay-Z in my dorm room. I was playing Little John and the Eastside Boys in my dorm room. I was trying to suffocate the voice of God. Two weeks from that day was basketball practice for Oral Roberts University. I went out there anyway, not being a good student of my time, not even listening to the God speaking through me by his spirit. I went out there and played flag football anyway, dislocated my finger, and by the third or fourth play, needed surgery. How long was surgery? It was a day, of course. But how long was the recovery? Weeks, if not months. And guess who missed the tryouts for the Oral Roberts basketball team? And I already had uh, uh, people um, that was helping me get, get at least become a walk-on. Did, did I ever play for Oral basketball team? No. The best that I ever was was a practice player. But I missed out on the opportunity because of my disobedience. So what I'm saying is there, it, I, I missed out on a – what is it God's will for me to play on the basketball team? Probably was. Who would have known? But it was my disobedience, me trying to be whatever I wanted to be that messed up on, messed up on opportunity. So there are opportunities you will miss in life. And I told God never healed. He never healed. Heal this finger. Let this finger be a constant reminder to listen to him. So, yes, there are opportunities that you can miss out on because that's just life. But if God understands that you are willing to utilize these lessons and learn from them and that he can see in his foreknowledge that you will end up becoming a good steward of that blessing, then as you renew your mind, God can redeem the time. Hope that helps. Hope that helps. Stretch marks the spot says, I've been experiencing some odd spiritual episodes. Does God do this when he's opening up inner sight? It depends on what the episodes are. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if you experience any type of demonic activity, then you have to understand what type of demonic activity are you allowing to have interest into your life, whether through your ears, your eyes, through your environment, through the things you purchase, the things you associate with, etc. So if it's odd, it may not be God because God ain't odd. 
Now, if it's something that may be different and, and and you just may not be at a spiritual level of maturity to really comprehend what God's doing, then it, what I mean by odd is when it's when it's when it's when it's demonic or negative. That ain't God, right? But if you experience some some spiritual episodes where you sensing the presence of God more, you sensing angelic support, you seek sensing a deeper longing for God, and you see, sensing things being organized and ordered for you by God, then all you can do is let God be God and do what he does best, right? But when it comes to inner insight, it all boils down to what type of light you're entertaining. Is it the enlightenment of the world or the light of the spirit inside of you? It all boils down to what, it, how it makes you feel. Don't get me wrong. There's some things that are of God that may make you feel nervous. But God, let me tell you something. The devil's presence is, is pressure. God's presence is peace. Satan's presence, demonic presence, is pressuring and tormenting. Holy Spirit presence is peaceful and tranquility. So even if it makes you feel nervous or whatever, because it's new for you, you will still feel God's peace. The devil can't, can't produce joy. The devil can't produce love. Demons cannot produce peace. Demons cannot produce patience. Right? So if those things are what you're feeling throughout these spiritual episodes, then it's definitely God. But if it's something outside of it, then it's probably not him. Crystal says, coach, any tips on believing God for bigger? Like uh, not wanting to live in a fictional world, but maximizing faith. Great question. Yes. The, the, how, how a person sees God would determine what they do with and for God. If you have a small view of God, ain't but so much God can do through you. I can't say for you because his grace is so sufficient. But it's, it's not so much that God can do through you or, into a degree, bring to you, right? Because you have a small view of him. The bigger your view of God and the bigger your faith in God and the bigger desire for desire your desirable outcomes is for God, the more God can do through you because there's a faith there, right? So here are some tips on believing God for bigger. Number one, you've got to alter the way you see him. How big do you see him? Is God bigger than your problems? No matter what problem you face, if your problem is bigger than God, then the solution that God has won't be sufficient because you won't even be uh, 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 competent enough to be able to receive a solution or to see how that problem is actually God given for you to be developed. Right. So you also have to perceive that uh, if your problems are always bigger than God then you have a problem. But if God's always bigger than your problems then you always have something to solve. them, Right. And so number two. You have to minimize uh, um, uh, 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 the other big things in your life. God cannot be a big thing amongst other big things in your life. And what I mean by that is you can't just say, oh, I trust God to be big for me over here, but I trust my money to be big for me over here. God has to be the biggest. God has to be the only big guy. You know what I'm saying? The big source, the big supply, right? But he has to be that. He can't, he's not, uh, he, he, he cannot be grouped in any other big thing, right? And also when it comes to not living in this world, you, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man, any woman loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life. Those things don't produce the love of God, right? And so you got to say, what, what do you love most? Because when you love God most and you have an eternal scope on life, and you have an eternal goal. I told my students, and I said this in other videos, I talked about how my greatest accomplishment would not be to win the Nobel Peace Prize. 
My greatest accomplishment would not be for one of my books or multiple of my books to land on New York Times bestseller list. My greatest accomplishment would not be any accolade on this world. My biggest accomplishment that is causing me to wake up every morning, that's causing me to grind for God every morning, is to hear these two words, well done. To hear this phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. When you have a big eternal goal, then you have a big eternal grind, and then you have a big uh, uh, eye sight of God. So if you don't want to live in a fictional world, get into the non-fictional book of God and really find how that thing can fixate itself inside of you, causing to be the person that you need to be to build your faith. Faith is a muscle, and faith cannot be proven unless faith can be tested. I said to my students today, I said a faith that cannot be tested, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So if God's going to have, if God is going to position you to see him big, then there may be some big tests that you have to go through for your faith to be proven. Also how you can also maximize your faith and believe God for bigger, see all the big ways in small packages that God came through for you. The reason why we don't believe God is big is because we only believe God moves bigly. And what I mean by bigly is this. So most people's faith in God wanes because they only measure God's faithfulness based upon the big things they want in life. Now, what does that mean? So a single person don't believe God is faithful until he brings them their spouse. In the meantime, their faith is not being nurtured or developed because their eyesight is too focused on God doing this big thing. And until God does his big thing, then I'll have faith in him. But they haven't tracked the big things that God has done for them in small ways. It may not be a wife or a husband or a or, or children or job opportunity. People are waiting for God to do mountaintop things, but they don't see how God brought them through low valleys. So when you see God do big things, even in small packages, it will keep you in a state of awe of God, knowing that God is there. What helps me keep my faith in God is realizing that the God that created everything is highly invested in me. That's what keeps God big to me. Hope that helps. Time for two or three more. Empress Tiny says, hey, coach, I've been putting in the work to healing myself. I've realized that due to bullying in my teenage years, I try my best not to hurt people, but in the end, I'm destroyed by them. How do I fix this? Great question. Um, Hey, coach, I've been putting in the work to healing myself. Great job. I've realized that due to bullying in my teenage years, I try my best not to hurt people, but in the end, I'm destroyed by them. How do I fix this? Well, first off, when you've done all you can, stand. Stand and let God do the work in you. See, you can only do but so much in your healing. If you've healed the surface, but never healed the source of the wound, or if you focus on healing the symptoms, but never deal with the healing of the source of that wound, the habits, the thought patterns, etc., then it will only sprout up year after year, month by month, quarterly by quarterly, or however long or however often that a, a demonic activity or your emotional triggers will pull it out of you. 
So when you're saying that you've uh, put in the work, that's great. Now you got to ask yourself, what have I been working on? Have I gone deep? Now, let's get to the bullying of teenage years. Let me tell you something about bullying. People who talk about you don't have enough to talk about. Those who got time to talk about you don't have time to talk to God about their own selves or to talk to themselves to encourage themselves or to talk about ideas with themselves, talk about ideas with other people. Small minds talk about people. Average minds talk about events. Big minds talk about ideas. If they're not talking about ideas with you, then you're entertaining the wrong type of mindsets. These individuals' mental settings are set on small and average. They're not set on greatness, right? And so when you begin to understand that people are fickle, that people are going to do what they want to do, they're going to use their words to uh, 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 melt you like a popsicle, then if you don't understand that, then you will always find yourself um, damaged by the rejection of others. Because if you become a person that that desires the acceptance of people, then you will die from the rejection of those people, right? And so when you say you end up destroyed, now you got to say, first off, have you been focused more on healing yourself from what has happened versus healing the way you view yourself? Do you how? Oh, the question is, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a child of God? Do you see yourself loved by God? The Bible says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but test every spirit to the of God. In order for you to be able to properly test what's in front of you and to have the right belief systems so that you don't fall into certain people's rejections because your desire needed for their acceptance, then you have to first know that you're God's beloved. You got to be loved in order to be loved, to be the beloved of God. You got to let him love you. You should let him love you so that you'll be able to understand what true love is because the love of God casts out all fear. There's a fear in you that hasn't been wiped away by God's perfect love. And the way, the reason why we don't understand God's perfect love, because we haven't taken the time to get to know him personally. So my advice to you right now is to start looking up different attributes of God. The first attribute I want you to look up on Google is the, is the attribute of God being loving. God being love. And I want you to meditate on those scripts so you'll be able to understand how much God loves you. Because if you don't know how much God loves you, you won't be able to really amount to the proper amount of love to towards yourself. And if you don't love yourself accurately, based upon the love of God that has cast all fear out of you, fears like insecurities, fears like uh, abandonment issues, etc., then you won't be able to understand how to properly distribute your love to people. See, the reason why you destroy it by these individuals because you are in one-sided relationships. You should never help someone beyond your help of yourself. You should never help someone beyond God's relinquishing of your help. That's why I saw a video that talked about that you shouldn't just give your energy to everybody. You got to allow God to distribute your energy, distribute how you love people, right? And, and when you let when you let God teach you how to distribute your love in accordance, then it, 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 keep, it creates a buffer in you that won't allow you to be hurt easily. So if you're destroyed by them, that means you've been too dependent in them. If you're too dependent on them, then you're going to set yourself to be destroyed by them. So number one, you got to write down these people that has destroyed you. Write down and ask them, who are they to you? Why have you made them so significant to you? Number two, you got to write down on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love you? On a scale of one to 10, if your number is below a seven, then, then, then you got to talk to heaven. You see what I'm saying? And remove the leaven. Remove any little thing that's leavening the whole lump, cause you not to be as confident as you need to be. That's what you need to do. Secondly, 
Thirdly, now you got to start practicing self-care that's birthed from self-love after you done studied the attributes of God, of God being love. And I want you to every single month to find an attribute of God that you need to study because the more you get to know him personally, the more you get to know yourself personally. And the more you begin to see that you're beautifully and wonderfully made by God, then you won't even let too many people access to you. So I also want you to take some time to study Psalms 139. Psalms 139, my friend. Because now you need some deep healing and you got to forgive. I want you to write down every person that bullied you in a teenager, when you're a teenager. I don't care if you don't know their name. Just write down what you think their name is. And I want you to say, I forgive you, Tommy. I forgive you, Susie. I forgive you, Claire. I forgive you, Shaniqua. I forgive you, Karen. Whoever it is, you forgive them. Because if you hold on to the bullies of, of ghosts, then you won't be able to uh, host the different things that God wants you to host in life. And your boast won't even be in Christ. Hope to help. Two more and I'm done. Jessica J says, hey, coach, just wondering, are you a deliverance minister like casting out demons and deliverance session, or is it just spiritual life coaching? Um, right at, um, have I done, let me ask, I'll ask this way. I've done deliverance before. I've done that kind of stuff before, but I haven't been released to do it now. Right. I'm on a different. I think when I was doing it before, I was just doing it off of zeal. Now I'm doing it off of wisdom. So right now I'm not in the place to do deliverance unless the Holy Spirit gives me the unction to do it in a in a in a, a specific moment, a specific place at a specific time. But as far as doing deliverance ministry, that's a different type of weight. That's a different type of whatever. So to answer your question, I'm not in the place to do deliverance ministry because deliverance ministry is deeper than just casting out devils. Because if I cast a devil out of you, but don't develop the holy the, your, your relationship with the Holy Spirit inside of you, then the demon's going to come back with seven times more. And then all of a sudden, I, I would have set you up to fail more greatly than you are possibly right now. So deliverance ministry cannot just be the 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 end result of it. It has to be uh, the 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 training and educational aspect of it, and it has to be guided by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows whether or not a person is ready to be educated, to be edified, right? To be emptied out of all habits and is ready to engage God at a high level. If not, then me delivering a demon out of you is only going to set you up to fail even worse because demons are going to bring seven times more, et cetera, et cetera. So right now, I'm only doing uh, life coaching right now. And in the process, if there is deliverance, and what I mean by that, it may not be me laying on hands, but by you being allowing those spirit to renew your mind in time, those demons may be like, I ain't really no much, no more, not, no, it's no longer any work I can do here because this woman, this young lady's mind has been renewed. Hope to help. My brother, please forgive me. I got to answer your text, bro. My bad, man. Hey, coach, I've been wanting to create and publish it, but I've been seeing people fall with the platform. I'm debating if it's dangerous to start something or just wait. Man, listen, you don't have to worry about falling if, if you and God ain't stalling. And what I mean by that, if you're walking with God, man, talking with God, all you can do is be obedient. You don't allow any kind of fear to keep you from being faithful, flourishing, and fruitful. People are going to fail. People are going to fall from all kinds of platforms. The Bible talks about that. There's going to be a lot of hired men that's going to run away. There's going to be a lot of men and women who's going to fall. But that should not make you, if anything, it should keep you humble. If anything, it should inspire you to, to walk with God. If anything, it, it should keep you 
watchful of yourself. Anything is going to keep you having your face in a perfect law of liberty, if anything, right? So all I need you to focus on right now is you and God just fellowshipping. All my books, all my ideas, all my social media posts to a 98% degree, all right? We're talking about my social media posts. All comes from me just, it drops or it uploads. So I go about my day. I don't I don't look like right now I'm releasing a book in the next two weeks or so, right? Like early on in ministry, I was like, I got to put something out every other whatever and do whatever, right? There are some things that God gives me liberty on in certain seasons to do whatever I want, right? Because because I've gotten to a place to do a shit, whatever the kind of whatever. But the moment I feel anything like nope or go, I go. Like my wife can tell you the moment that I told that I got the clearance to write this book I'm writing now that I just finished. My wife can. My wife was in, uh, in the room with me when we was watching our pastor preach on television. When uh, no, on on um, live stream, I'm sound like I'm an old person watching on live stream, and um and she she witnessed the moment the Holy Spirit downloaded in me the card game. She literally witnessed it. I said, "Babe, it hit me." I got my phone out and I was going, and I went right into my room and I finished that card game in about a day and a half. I finished this book in about three weeks, so now I added some other things, so about four weeks in total. So what I'm saying is, all I do is I fellowship with God, flow with God, and when he tells me to do it, I do it without any expectation, because what I don't want to happen is, is that you that you be full of zeal, and you go out there and try to make deals and make things happen, and then get uh, bombarded with thoughts and, and, and fears and low self-esteem because things didn't take off the way they took off. But all you got to do is just say, okay, God, whenever you tell me to cast a net on the side of my boat, I will. And I promise you, whenever you, t- whenever you, whenever you are obedient to God, you will catch a lot. Simple as that. You're so welcome, Chantel. Uh, Andrea says, to what extent should we believe in predestination? Some say only a few are predestined. John the Baptist, Luke. Uh, one five Isaiah four hundred. Some say we're all are predestined, no matter what. All I can tell you about predestined is that uh, anytime you are discussing anything theological to a degree, cannot stem from from human intellect. It must stem down from God, from an awareness and an understanding of God's attributes. So, of course, things are determined, predetermined from the omniscience of God. Right now, when it comes to a specific verse, I'm not quite sure. Um, I just think when it comes to predestination, I just think that God did not determine that you're going to go to heaven and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to go to hell. You, 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 all y'all going to. It's not like God determined. It was predetermined by our of it was predetermined because he's aware of his foreknowledge is so aware of who's faithful, who's not faithful, that has already been determined who's going to heaven and going to hell based upon God's omniscience, not by God's uh, of forcing it, right? So, there, yeah, there's a set number of people going to heaven, and God already knows who those people are. That's that's just the beautiful thing about God being eternal and, uh, and, and, and God being operative and within time. God already knows, but it's going to be so fair because it's all going to be based upon free will choice. So, so, but the people that says everyone's predestined to go to heaven, that's that's wrong. Or or vice versa, everybody's predestined to go to hell, right? But when it comes to God's omniscience, God already knows who will have determined for themselves whether or not they accept the Christ the Lord and Savior or not. Hope that help. So don't get caught up in the legalities and the, the doctrinal uh, debates and stuff like that. 
study God's attributes, get to know him personally, and then things will uh will 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 come out clearly for you. Just to say, how do you be desperate for how do you be desperate? Well, you don't want to be desperate. Anytime you're desperate for something, desperation, uh, maybe that's maybe that's applicable to God. But desperate, sometimes people are desperate for God with a false mind, like a false ideology of him. Right. So they're, they're desperate for God to deliver me. I'm desperate for you to deliver me. And then God's like, but you're not allowing my will to be determined. Right. In your own life. Right. So you got to be careful with that. How do you be desperate for God? What does it mean? How do you hunger? Okay, let's get, okay, so let's remove that first and let's go to these points here. How do you hunger and thirst for him? I love God, but feel like I'm not desperate for him. Everything is always just going with the flow and grateful. Well, nothing wrong with that, but if you want greater, then you have to grow in greater understanding. If you want greater, you have to grow in greater understanding of him, greater understanding of your purpose, greater understanding of life, right? Who you are, right? So sometimes when we go, we get casual, when you're casual, you'll become a casualty. You have to be engaged like a soldier. You have to be immersed with this idea of being a servant of God, right? And then when you understand that you'll never be righteous in your deeds, and what I mean by that, let me make sure I get theologically and biblically plain right here. When Jesus down the cross, he took our sin and his righteousness, his right standing with God was imputed on us. I mean, there was an exchange. It was placed on those who believe. So therefore, it's no longer my uh, righteous deeds or my actions that makes me righteous. It's the sacrifice of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection that makes me now righteous. Righteous, there's two types of righteousness. There's the imputed righteousness of God, which means I'm in right standing with God and I don't have to worry about hell. I'm in right standing with God. Therefore, I have unlimited reach into the presence of God. I can approach the throne boldly. Our imputed, the imputed righteousness of Jesus that was placed on us should inspire us to want to live more righteously. Now, we're righteous and 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 uh what's the word i use we are righteous when it comes to uh our disposition but when it comes to our patterns we're not righteous so the bible says they that hunger and thirst after righteousness to a degree hear what i'm saying could mean that that the more i desire to be more like god the less satisfied I'm ever going to become because I'm always going to be able to see room to improve. I'm going to always be in awe of God's uh, of God's gospel. I'm going to be always in awe of the idea that I'm in right standing, but I'm not fully perfect. And then you won't get so caught up in perfection. You will just focus on percentages. You will just focus on progression. I tell my students all the time, I say, is Steph Curry 100% from three? No, but he has the highest percentage in in history. But even in perfection, people measure it not based upon perfection, because they know perfection is impossible. They measure it based upon percentage and progression, right? And a person who's never satisfied continues progressing, right? And so determining on what your eternal goal is, my eternal goal is to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. My eternal goal is to ensure that God is glorified in everything that I do. My eternal goal is to make sure that when I die, I die empty, that God has emptied out of me everything that he wanted in this world to perpetuate throughout time to benefit people, even when I'm dead and gone. So if your eternal goal is just to be saved, then there's no need to really change the way you behave. 
So all I got to do, as long as I'm saved, I'm good. Now you just kind of coast throughout life. But behavior increases the more I am increasing in, in the idea of who I belong to. And as my belonging increases and, and he satisfies all my longing, now my beliefs increase. And as my beliefs increase, my behaviors increase more into the image of God and what God will do. And then you will begin to find yourself uh, um, constantly, not for love, but from love, wanting to improve. You don't think that in my marriage, I don't want to improve daily as a husband? Because not because so my wife can do X, Y, and Z or, 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 or serve me in whatever kind of way. It's because God. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Your level of reverence for God will determine your level of reach from God or towards God. So if my reverence for God is small, I ain't going to reach towards God as often. Nor am I going to be able to reach beyond where I am to help others because in walking greater wisdom because I don't reverence God. But if when my reverence of God continues to increase, not me being afraid of him, that God's going to strike me down, but because he's so good to me when I don't deserve it, it makes you want to be a better servant. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, Ange T. I appreciate you. Attribute of God, bring love. Yep, that's the first thing I need you to do. I'm done, y'all. Um, these these last three or so. Ah, man. All right. Hey, Coach, what would you advise? I'm going to go through quickly, y'all. Hey, coach, what would you advise about being concerned about a dear family member maybe making a decision to get back with their ex? Don't want to see her. But listen, if she don't want to see herself healed, then there's nothing you can do to help her heal. What I mean by this, listen, when it comes to giving people advice, I give it. I give people advice and 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 I let them roll the dice. I give them the advice and I let them roll the dice, but I'm not sitting there to see if they if they listen to my advice because people are going, let me tell you something, people, people are going to do what they want to do. Their love, that person's love for their ex, and you have to be okay. You have to know your rank in people's lives. I tell my students all the time, I tell people all the time, I know my rank in people's lives. Therefore, I don't get offended when people make a different decision because I know my rank. I know that in certain seasons, I'm ranked number one to a lot of people, ranked number two, possibly, maybe top three. I'm talking about people, not we're talking about God, but ranked based upon the relationship. But if someone greater comes along, they may not be greater than me, but their love, but the person's love for that person is greater than their love for me, or that person's curiosity is greater than their content with God, or they content with me, then I, I back back because I know my rank in that person's life. And when you know your rank in people's life, you don't have to worry about, uh, um, um, being uh, disheartened or upset when people make dumb decisions. People are going to do what they want to do. And so it doesn't matter about what you see because there's a lot of things that I see in people that they can't see in themselves. And, and I'm not going to uh, um, drain out of me energy and effort to make a person see. You can't make a blind person see unless that blind person desires to see. There's so many people who got uh, the ability to see, and they are more blinded than people who can't see. There's people who can't see right now that can see greater than people who do got the ability to see. So my advice about being concerned is to make sure that you don't uh, become too concerned. 
Because when you become too concerned, then it affects your ability to discern, to discern whether or not you should invest that much time, energy, and effort. When you're too concerned, you have to ask yourself, am I trying to be Jesus to them? And it doesn't matter if it's a dear family member, let them listen. People who don't want to let people who don't want to learn from observation or information will learn from revelation. And some people are things are not revealed to them until they're in the pig's pen. Leandra G says, Hey coach, how do I heal from past mistakes after repenting to God and knowing he has truly forgiven me? It's difficult because family members continue to talk about past things. Well, it's time to distance yourself from people that continue to talk about your past. Simple as that. If you want to talk about my past, you're going to end up being a part of my past. That's how I treat people. If you want to continue to talk about my past, you're going to end up a part of my past. Now, if you want to be a part of my present, then be present and be presently uh, uh, insightful on what I'm currently doing. But if you want to bring up my past, it's because they want you to be back in your past because your past makes them comfortable. Your present activity and your pursuit of God's purpose of you makes them uncomfortable. So the best way to affect you is, is to project on you what happened in your past. That's why you can't allow people, even family, to have stake, to become a stakeholder in your current life. People may have been a stakeholder in your past life, but that doesn't mean they should be a stakeholder. Stakeholder means an investor, someone that has the voice and the time, the effort, or the ability to affect how you think or move. The fact that they are affecting the way you think or move, you made them family. Not all families family. Jesus' brother and mama came up to him and was like, yo, there was kind of embarrassed by him. He was doing the most to them, quote unquote. And, and the, the, the disciples like, man, your brother and your brother. He said, she said, she said, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Only those, who, these are my mother. Those who are in the family of God, these. Jesus was saying, Mary, I appreciate you for being a virgin woman. I appreciate you for bringing me here. But if you're not with me here, I don't care if you brought me here. We ain't family. We got we to gotta, we gotta start thinking differently when it comes to once we have been redeemed and set free by God and saved by him, things change. The Bible says he didn't come to bring unity. He came to put mother against daughter, dad against son. Because when you follow him, people are going to be upset about that. You said it's difficult because family members continue to talk. Man, listen, walk away from their talk. If they want to talk away, you walk away. Simple as that. Thanks so much, culture. Appreciate your perspective. I'm grateful. God gets the glory. T says, hey, coach, do you think God will break something off to grow you, but later bring you guys back together? That's possible. I can't put no limits on God. But if God breaks it away, don't look back because you may become salty. You may turn into a pill of salt when you look back. Sometimes you just got to break away from the hope of it being brought together. Sometimes it's the hope. The hope becomes too heavy. And the hope is what hinders us from being healed. That's powerful. Sometimes it's our false hope that gets in the way of full healing because now you're so focused on the potential and the hope of God bringing it back together that you're not able to allow God to bring you back together. So what I need you to do is that if God broke it apart, break away and don't think about it. It's easier said than done, but you have to continuously pursue you. So many people focus because so many people's identity are in relationships. They are nothing without relationships. They're nothing. If, if they're, people are so scared to be alone, people are so scared to be single that they want to continuously mingle and then find themselves in a situation. But if your identity is in Christ, it doesn't matter what he breaks you away from. Your identity is not anything that he broke away from. Your identity is how his body was broken for you. 
Do you think God could break something off? Yeah, but if you keep focused on the hope, you'll never heal. Some people focus so much on the hope and their curiosity that they never fully get healed and they never find develop the character they need to be and they never find out who God wants them to be. Hey, what's up, my brother? Been a while. Good to see you. He said, we in here. You're so welcome. Man, there's more questions. Amen. Thank you, God. You might be able to only care about God. Yes, amen. Thanks, coach. You're so welcome. Beth T., this is on this is so far good teaching coach. Thank y'all so much. How do you how do you grow in your reverence for the Lord? Great question. Um, by getting to know him. And the, another way that you grow in your reverence for God is to reach back and look back at your life and be like how God has been faithful to you. Also, how you increase your reverence for the Lord is to study the word of God when it comes to judgments, when it comes to the last days. When it comes down to how the wrath of God is being compounded on non-believers, you just got to keep it a buck and be like, yo, God is who he says he is. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And it is what it is. <clears throat> and you have to understand that your reverence for the Lord is not necessarily, uh, uh, oh, my gosh, God's going to do something to me. Right. It's all about what has God done for me and God's presence support in my life. Ah. Uh, T says, hey, coach, can you help? Every time I start dating a girl, I make them an idol and draw away from God. I have a strong desire for marriage. Well, your, your desire for anything cannot be stronger than your desire for God. If so, then you're going to be drastically uh, affected and possibly set up to be depressed because of it, right? And so you have to ask yourself, why do you have a strong desire for it? Because strong desires comes from an unmet desire. See, the, what keeps you from being lustful, lustful doesn't mean that you're sexually lustful, but a lust is a strong overbearing desire for a thing. The best way to neutralize that is, is to really examine to a degree why what causes this desire. Is it because your identity, because you got picked on, maybe because you got overlooked by girls when you was younger? Could it be that you don't think that you're handsome? Because I'll tell you something about a man who knows he's a man of God, that when you're a man of God, you wait on the timing of God. When you're a man of God, you know that God is building your woman of God while he's building you. When you're a man of God, you will understand the dangerous effects of idolatry. I'm not saying you're not a man of God. It could just mean that you're developing in the manliness of God, right? And so what you have to say, what idolatry is, idolatry is the byproduct of your identity being in something greater than God. So you have to go back, 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 back to the blueprints. When an inspector comes to inspect the building, he doesn't necessarily look at the building. He look, His desire is to see the blueprint. What is your blueprint? Whose image are you really made in? And when you begin to look back and say, I, am, I was created in the image of God, and then begin to grow in that and then begin to find your 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 uh, security in him. Then when you secure a woman, she won't become. So what's going to happen, bro? When you have a strong desire from something for something or for someone, you're going to destroy that someone because what's going to happen? Your strong desires right now is creating false expectations. Your strong desire is creating an idea of marriage, not actually not uh, not preparing you to become the individual to be able to function in a marriage. See, we have so much fervor for marriage, but we don't even we are not even prepared to function in a marriage. So if you're constantly strongly designed for this thing, you're going to annoy the mess out of her or you're going to or you're going to make a god out of her. And when you make something a god and when that thing has proven that it can't be god to you, then you're going to find yourself depressed before depression, disappointed. 
because that woman cannot satisfy that strong desire. That's why God has to neutralize that strong desire before you even desire a marriage. Because if your desire is not neutralized and properly funneled, then, man, you're going to mess things up, family. I think AD is my last one, and I'm done. Ah, AD got two of them. AD says, hey, coach, I am dealing with same-sex attraction as a female. However, I am not acting on it, nor do I intend to. But my pastors know, and I feel like I am slowly being alienated at church. What to do? Well, most churches are not, not most churches. Who am I to say most? A lot of churches are not equipped to handle that level of, of, of issue. That's level, level, because that just because it's, it's different devils, is sin is sin. Your same-sex attraction has nothing to do with heterosexual attraction while a man or a woman is married, etc. It's sin to God. Now, certain sins may have different consequences based upon when the sin is done. I told my students about the young man, the man who was an uh, older gentleman who was at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, Jesus was like, do you want to be healed? And you know the story. He's like, you know, I, I've been I've been at this pool 38 some years. And every time I try to get in the water, somebody gets in before I never get healed. And after Jesus healed the man, the man went out and took up his bed and walked. And the Pharisees came back and they was like, yo, fam, you know, you can't be raising your bed up and walking on the Sabbath. And he was like, man, some man, I don't even know name told him to go heal him, right? The man go walks off. Jesus comes around. He says, hey, man, you look at you. You looking good. You're well. He says, uh. Uh, go and sin no more lest something worse comes upon you. And so I told my students is that <clears throat> it doesn't matter the sin. Like there's a lot of sins that we do um, that we get away with. And when you get away with certain sins, then you get comfortable in that sin. And the devil is not going to necessarily uh, uh, capitalize or look for return on a sin until he can see how much he can steal with that sin. And so when a person is investing that sin long periods of time, they're like, man, there's something happening with me. I'm not getting in trouble because of this sin, because they got comfortable in the sin. And when a person gets comfortable in the sin, even if it was once a little sin, they're being comfortable in it causes the enemy to set up the right type of time to steal that man's marriage, steal that woman's kids, steal, steal, steal more than what that sin, what they could have got from that sin early on. That's right. And so when it comes to those different things, um, most churches, most structures are not prepared to help people uh, understand um, how to uh, um, navigate those different things. Now, uh, you go where you celebrate, not where you tolerate. Now, let me make sure I make this very clear. You go where God wants you to go, first off. You go where you God wants you. So right now, I need for you to do, I need you to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what church do I need to be in? What church do I need to be in? Because when people start alienating you, man, that's not going to make you feel comfortable. All right? So maybe the church that you may have grew up in, been a part of, or just joined, they're uncomfortable because they don't know how to, uh, through the comfort of the Holy Spirit, help you deal with the process of an issue. And that's just that's just what it is. And so what you do, man, is Holy Spirit, what church you want me to go to? But in the meantime, spend time. In the meantime, spend time with the God who says, come unto me all who labor and heavy labor and I give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I don't care if you got same-sex attraction. I don't care if you like animals. I don't care what it is. God says, man, I love you. And once you begin to be loved by God, then your beliefs will change. And then you will be built up in your most holy faith. You will be developed as an individual. And then you won't even find yourself even uh, um, caught up in these type of situations. I think I answered your question. And so people don't, and sometimes people are uncomfortable because they participate in the sin that you once participated in. 
Simple as that. Uh, last one, I'm done. Kayla, I met my future husband. He knows as well that I'm his wife, but it's hard wait. Um, but it's hard waiting now that I can put a name to a face. Any tips? Um, he's not your husband yet. So what I would do in the meantime is to number one, make sure that you know. Well, I can't. I can't argue with someone that says they know because I don't know your spiritual walk. I don't know your spiritual maturity. So I'm not going to assume you don't know, right? But with any and everybody, I say this. Make sure you know that 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 this man is God's man for you. Because you said I met my future husband. Did you meet God's future husband for you? So even I don't care if he knows or you know, until you know from God, because I'm gonna tell you something about marriage. You don't know what you're graced for until the race has started. See, the race right now, y'all just in training for the race. <laughs> y'all are in preparatory season for the race, but the race hasn't started. Soon as you kissed on the mouth, or soon as the, not you, but soon as uh, 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 the, the commencement of the marriage has happened and the husband kisses the bride, it's like the gun being shot off at a race. That's where the race starts. As the race goes, we will see who you have a supernatural grace for. No human being on this planet can fully alone have the grace for another person unless they are graced by God for that person. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean relationships cannot function outside of God to a degree, right? But it may not function in its best self or it may not function long without the sufficiency of God's grace. Meaning that I have the grace for this person. I can run the race for this person. Does that mean that person ever going to get on your nerves? No, they're going to get on your everlasting nerves, but you will be supernaturally supplied by the grace of God sufficient enough for you to continue to keep in pace in that race with that individual. So the reason why it may be hard to wait, right? The reason why it may be hard for you to wait, now that you put a name on the face, is because you've been probably waiting for this to occur. See, the thing is, when you've been waiting for something to happen for so long, when it happens, if you haven't made anything happen between you and God while you've been waiting for, quote unquote, this to happen, then when it happened, you ain't going to know what to do. So when me and my wife met, we were still, even though we wanted it to happen, we were still making things happen. I was still having Bible studies every Thursday. I was still putting on concerts. I was still writing books. She was still modeling. She was still going to school. So we were still happening in what God wanted us to make happen so that when we got together, yes, it may have gotten difficult, but we still had something to occupy in the meantime. So my first tip is this. Did God tell you that that person was the one for you? Are you engaged in the ideas that God has wants want you to be engaged in? Are you the person that you need to be for something like that? And do you really believe that God is his grace is sufficient for you? I spelled tips. What was my T? My T was this. Has God really told you that person was the one? Do you know that you know that you know that you know without a shadow of doubt? What ideas does God want you to work on right now? Because that will keep you from being so consumed and caught up. Uh, P, have you, have you, uh, uh, what was my P? I forgot my P. And S, I forgot my S too. 
But you can always rewind that and hear what I said. So you know what my T-I-P-S is. Love you all. I got to go, y'all. I've been going 55 minutes and Coach Todd. 80 said, it is really weighing on me and causing me to feel so depressed. See, you cannot allow yourself to be, churches were not meant to be a source. They were meant to be a resource. Depression is inevitable when our dependency has been in something else more than God. And I have been there for almost nearly a decade, but they limited my role as a school teacher. And I don't know what, what effects this will have. Uh, well, what you have to understand is that I will have a conversation with your pastor. Maybe, maybe he is sensing something, maybe whatever. I don't know. I don't know this man, right? I don't know this, 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 uh, the leadership there at the church. So what I would do in the meantime is examine your life, examine your life. And if you know for a fact that you're living a godly life far removed from that attraction, then that's when you don't assume, start asking, go to the past, say, why has things changed? I just want to know why has things changed and then hear from him and then go from there. Communication solves a lot of complicated problems. I love y'all for those who's watching for the very first time and you need some support of you've been watching for a mighty long time and you need, and you want to speak more than just five minutes of me answering your question and you want to get on the phone with me or get on zoom with me and you want one-on-one -on -one coaching, go to my website. It's right there in the links description box below or in the chat right now. Those who are watching on Facebook, just look at the screen there. I am unplugged.com slash custom dash coaching. If you need help with pre-engagement, dating, engagement, personal relationship with yourself, if you need spiritual developments, uh, learning how to maximize your singleness, understanding, developing, distributing your purpose and branding and marketing and business and ministry, let me know. I'd love to help you. Also, if you're looking for a book on wholeness and you want to learn how to be whole in life, you could do so. Uh, you get this book here. It's a great book to help you process your ability to hold the important things of life. Card game that you can get with that. If you want to learn how to maximize your singleness and understanding more and find the purpose of it, get this book here. If you want to learn how to date God and date yourself and become dateable so you can date the love of your life forever and, and or to ask the right questions to either help end the relationship or extend a relationship, get this book here. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, you're like, man, I need a book to really help me process what those things are. My book, The Purpose of Freedom, is a great resource there. If you really, really want to know if that man's the right man for you, if that man's a counterfeit or a counterpart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then this, great, this book right here would be a great book, not just for men or women, but also the job, the city, and everything like that. My wife and I have a children's book called As It Says, As for Students of Serve, great book there. And if you have a problem with spiritual warfare, you want to understand what the whole armor of God is, this book, World War Me, is a great book as well. Also, we have merch on our store as well. All that. And if you want to give the support what me and my wife do with our mentoring programs or you want to support what I do, you just feel led by God to support financially. However, we appreciate your generosity in advance. You can do all that on my website. I am unplugged.com. Again, the links are in the description box below for all those items and be on the lookout for my newest book coming out this month. I'm excited to release it. Uh, thank you guys in advance for your generosity, for your support and for trusting me with your questions. I do not count it lightly. If you need coaching, let me know. I love you all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.